Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Taking Your Next Step podcast from Collegians for Christ. Through each episode, we will journey together focusing on knowing what you believe and why you believe it. If you are eager, like I am, to strengthen your faith, then take your next step now by joining us in today's episode. Peter continues giving more attention to how you and I should live our life. Why is it? I mean, our previous two studies, how to live your life, following in his steps, and here we come to how God wants us to be. Why is he hammering down so hard on this? We're going to talk about it in our episode today, but how you and I live our life is vitally important. It's tangible. It's practical. It's what people see. You and I can say one thing, but how we live our life says another. And it's awesome when those two things line up, but many times people won't listen to our words, but they'll follow our lives. They'll follow our example, or they'll see by watching us that they don't need to follow our lead or follow our example. You see, our lives speak volumes. And the best way to be a witness many times in our culture like it is today is to live a certain way, to live like Christ, to follow in his steps. And we're going to talk about that, how God wants us to be here on our episode. First of all, he wants us to be united. Now, you hear the word unity uh, spoken a lot. Uh, we talk about we live in the United States of America, and there's great privilege with that. But many times you look around and say, we don't live in the United States of America. We live in the divided states of America. That's what it feels like many times. You know, how do you get so many different people from so many different backgrounds and cultures and uh, nationalities and all these different things on the same page? Well, it can be difficult. And as you come to the church of Jesus Christ, where you, you find every kindred, every tongue, every nation uh, uh, represented, then guess what? It can be hard at times. But God desires for you and I to be united, united together. Unity speaks something. He says this, finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. So when we talk about be united, first of all, it's be all of one not of one mind. This means to think the same thing. Now, with everyone being so different, is this really even possible? to think the same thing or to be united. Scripture talks a lot, Paul especially, talks a lot about you and I uh, being united. We can go to our passage in Ephesians, and he talks about there's one Lord, one word, one goal, one desire for mankind, uh, one body. I mean, you keep seeing that. Uh, you've, if you've got the study guide there off our website, you can take these passages, and you see the emphasis there on unity, the fact that you and I are baptized into one body. Uh, there is one Lord, uh, there's one Savior, uh, there's one Word, and that shows the example for unity. And we need to realize what the goal is and work together towards accomplishing that goal. What brings unity? Understand it's Jesus Christ. He is the only thing in our world that breaks down every cultural boundary Every race boundary, every educational boundary, every uh, social economic status boundary, Jesus Christ breaks down every single one of those boundaries and is the common denominator that you and I can gather around. He is the reason you and I can be united. 
How can you tear apart a friendship, an organization, or a country? It's with disunity. It's with dissension. It's with disagreement, which all leads to conflict. You see our country now, and you see churches, unfortunately, that their disunity creeps in, and then it becomes dissension, great disagreement, and conflict, and they split. There's a church split, or there's a CEO that goes this way, and this company goes that way. You see it all the time. So Peter charges Christians to be united. How can we be united? Watch this. Have compassion, he says. Have compassion one of another. That means sympathy. That means to share the same feelings. We're going to cry together. We're going to rejoice together. This means the opposite of jealousy towards each other. We're going to have compassion one of another. We're going to be forgiving We're going to give the second, third, fourth, fifth chance. And look what he says next. Love is brethren, having affection or fondness to. He said this is required to be united with our differences and sin. Without compassion, without love, we can never be united. And some of us that are listening right now are having issues with other people or other people are having issues with us. And if we're not willing to be compassionate and love each other, there's no way we can break down our differences. He goes on to say, be pitiful, tender-hearted, courteous. It means you're humble about yourself. You're willing to say, okay, I'm wrong. You're willing to say, okay, I need to forgive that person. And then he says, uh, don't retaliate, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrary-wise, do the opposite. Blessing. When somebody treats you evil, didn't Jesus talk about this in the Sermon on the Mount? That when we're treated evil, when someone would speak evil against us, we need to bless them, need to pray for them. It's backwards thinking, but what does it do? It brings unity, and it speaks against them. So don't retaliate, right? Love. Give compassion. Bless those who persecute you and hate you. You see, being united will take work and effort. It will not come naturally. But practicing each of these, compassion, love, being pitiful, and not retaliating will produce unity. So first, he charges us to be united. And then secondly, he charges us to be loving. Verses 10 through 14, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. And his lips that they speak no guile, let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Think about how practical that is. If I asked you, do you want to see good days? Do you want to enjoy your days on, on earth? You say, yes, absolutely. I want to have happy days, right? Well, then refrain your mouth from evil. Refrain your lips that they speak no guile. That is what Peter says is how you can live a good life and how you can love life. So keep your mouth from evil. What does that mean? Don't criticize. Don't gossip. Don't talk ugly about others. And we talked on a previous episode, don't gripe about your boss. Don't be the pot stirrer. Eschew evil, he says. Leave, run away from it. Don't keep company with is what that means. Get away from it. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Seek and pursue peace. Who is the Prince of Peace? Jesus Christ, right? And as you and I take our next step and follow him, guess what? We're following in the footstep of him that has peace. You see, in a hopeless society, which I've mentioned in a previous episode, that one way I describe our younger generation in in general is hopelessness. 
They've been taught uh, for years that they're here by natural processes. There is no God. There is no purpose to your life. Everything's accident and random. And it produces a hopelessness in their lives. And when you're hopeless, guess what you really truly want? You want peace. I mean, there's people all over our globe wanting peace. And here he tells us to seek peace and ensue it. You see, Peter's pointing them to the source of peace, and that is Jesus. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He told his disciples in John chapter 14 that he comes to give peace and that he was going to leave them with peace. He said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give unto you. Look, he says, the world can't give you peace. So many people are searching for hope and peace in this world, and it will not produce it for them. It may give it to them just in doses or just for a moment, but there is no foundation to where people can receive the hope and peace that they're looking for. You and I as believers possess the hope and peace that everybody's searching for. And this is why it's so very important how you and I live our lives. This is why it's so important that you and I live how God wants us to be, united, loving, because that tells people on the outside, wow, they have something that I don't have and I want it. You've heard people say, uh, as someone may be inquiring about Christianity or seeing someone's life saying, man, they've just got something different in how they dealt with that death, how they dealt with that big problem, and I want that. So Peter tells us to be loving, to to love life, and to suffer for righteousness, he goes on to say. Peter shares that suffering for right produces happiness. And that's kind of hard to think about. How on earth can suffering produce happiness? There's something about suffering that can help us to deal with sin. Suffering does a lot in our life. Suffering makes you thankful. Suffering humbles you. Suffering removes pride. And so many times we look at suffering as something negative, but many times God uses suffering for positive. He says, but and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Why? Because nobody can harm your soul. They may can touch your physical body, but they can never harm your soul. That is secure in Jesus Christ. You see, happiness and joy is absolutely contagious. I can think of a few people. One of them, his name's Mike. When he comes in a room, he lights the room up. He literally makes you smile. Why? Because he smiles. He's happy. You see joy coming from him. It doesn't mean he doesn't have hard times. It doesn't mean there's not days when maybe he's not as happy as other days. But there are some people that you just know, man, when I see them, I'm, I'm going to be smiling. I'm going to be laughing. I'm going to be having some joy. There's other people you know, and you're thinking of them, and I hope you're not one of them, that they're Debbie Downers. They're negative Neds. And when you get around them, you just can only take it in small doses because they bring you down. You see, we as emotional relational beings feed off each other. And that's why happiness and joy as you and I produce it because we should. And Peter's saying, here's a secret, even suffering, when you suffer for righteousness sake, you should be happy. That's all about perspective. It doesn't mean that uh, we want to bring on the suffering doesn't mean the suffering actually like we're happy in the suffering, but if we adjust our perspective, we realize that God's allowing this for a purpose. It actually shows that God is working in our life. It shows evidence of God. 
that he's trusting us to draw us closer to him, trusting us to refine us, trusting us to grow us, and for us to be a uh, person, a life that he can use. And then lastly, he tells us here to be ready. To be ready to verbally defend your faith. Verse number 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, that they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Time and time again throughout the book of 1 Peter, you're going to see this idea of how you and I live our lives will actually silence our critics. That's why it's so important. That's why he's being so practical here at how we live our life. You see, we're not to remain silent, and ignorance is not an excuse. You and I are commanded by this passage to give a reason to who some people know every man that asks you of the reason of watch this, the hope that's in you. Remember we said hope is what everyone's searching for. When someone asks you the reason of the hope that is in you, how you possess hope, where your hope is at, uh, you need to be ready to give them an answer, a biblical answer, uh, share your testimony, whatever it is. Basically, we say this all the time, know what you believe and why you believe it. That's one thing we're emphasizing on our podcast this year. It means you ask questions, but you also get answers. But as you do that, you do that in turn to help other people that are going to ask you questions. You know, as people ask you questions, you need to be willing to give them an answer. And if you don't have an answer, you need to be willing to go and find the answer not just defer them to someone else. That's okay. You say, well, my pastor can help you with that, but you don't need to forsake the question that was asked. You need to find the answer. So the next time someone asks you that question, you will be prepared. There's going to be times when you don't know every answer and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing better than to be more honest with someone and say, look, I don't know the answer to that. I've not fully thought through that or that's the first time I've ever had someone ask me that. That is a great question. Let me find out the answer for that for you. And many times for us in college ministry, it's a follow-up with a cup of coffee, another meeting, uh, come back to Bible study, let me text you, whatever, to get this answer for you. You don't have to know everything, but you do have to be willing to seek answers with and for others. And so we have to be ready to defend our faith, and we need to be ready to live with a good reputation. Verse 16 says, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. What does a good reputation do in our passage? It will silence any accusations of the world or or unbelievers, and it will bring shame on those who falsely accuse you. So Peter emphasizes the importance of how we live our lives. It may be the greatest witness to others around us. It may be your only opportunity to witness to someone. It may be just how you live your life. Don't ever minimize We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There's so many different ways that you and and I can go about doing it. A pastor may stand in a pulpit and preach the word of God. You may have an opportunity to pray with someone in your workplace. You may have an opportunity to share your personal testimony. You may have an opportunity to go out and serve at a homeless shelter, but also encourage these people. Maybe there's a Bible study. Maybe you're a leader. There's so many different ways, but one way everybody can witness is to do what? is to be mindful of how you're living your life and live how God wants us to live. And this will provoke questions from others that you and I must be ready to answer. 
Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please share it with a friend or subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can connect with Collegians for Christ online for more information and resources at cfccampusministry.com.